Welcome to I Am, I Have, How It Helps, brought to you by Happiful Magazine and Counselling Directory. On today's episode, I have the huge pleasure of talking to Chris Primacio about surf therapy, how surfing changed her life, helped her through grief, and the incredible upcoming International Surf Therapy Organisational Conference taking place in Cornwall and also online from the 6th to the 8th of October. Before we start today's episode, I'd love to encourage you to download the free Happiful app. Not only can you read Happiful magazine in its digital format, but you can find help and support should you need it. Now, back to Chris. Her passion for surf therapy and the impact it has is infectious. And I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you do, please share, rate and review. I'm so thrilled to welcome Chris Bumasio, CEO of International Surf Therapy Organization, a global community of surf therapy practitioners and researchers harnessing the power of collaboration and the ocean to advance the use of surf therapy as a mental and physical health intervention. Chris, welcome. It's so lovely to talk to you. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my stoke of surfing and surf therapy around the world. It's wonderful to speak to you. And for our listeners, can you just tell us where you are and and how we're doing this? Because it's a transatlantic call. I'm currently looking at Chris with a beautiful, beautiful ocean view behind her. That ocean view behind me is, of course, the magic of virtual conversations. But I do live on the Pacific Ocean, so I, I guess I'm not too far from there. I live in sunny Southern California here in the United States and maybe 20 steps to the ocean. You know, so surfing every day right here in California, I think, you know, with the exception, of course, Hawaii, California is certainly one of the main staples of where surfing got started and, and, you know, grew to the size in which it, which it has. I'd like to start with you introducing yourself in your own words and telling our listeners what you think we should know about you. My name is Chris Promacio. I am a proud Hawaiian Filipina. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest of Washington State, which is about a thousand miles away from where I am currently. I'm a surfer. <laughs> I'm a snowboarder. I'm an avid reader. And I love being a steward of nature, especially our one big ocean. I also happen to wear this little title of CEO of the International Surf Therapy Organization, which is, as you mentioned, a global nonprofit. And there were 16 like-minded individuals, including myself, that established ISTO. And I'll call it ISTO going forward. It's much easier to say than the mouthful that is International Surf Therapy Organization in 2017. And, you know, Gosh, I love that you ask what I want people to know. There's so many layers to that question. It's brilliant. What do I want people to know? What am I willing to show people? What do people think? You know, it's just such a brilliant question. Thanks for that question. I would want people to know that I value a genuine love for what I do in life and whether that's work or play. I value purpose over happiness and kindness over credentials. And I just want to contribute to something meaningful. What a gorgeous way to start the podcast, hearing that from you. And I'm so excited we're going to be talking so much about surf and how it became so fundamental in your life. Gosh, you know, I was pushed into my first one foot little 
trickling wave on the big island of Hawaii right in front of my dad. And I remember my dad being so proud that I was able to stand up. It brings back really happy tears to think about that time because he ended up playing a significant role in my surfing. And I love that he saw me catch my very first wave. But ironically, that moment wasn't the catalyst that led me to start surfing. I wouldn't even think about surfing or get on a surfboard for a very long time later. As a matter of fact, I started surfing when I was 41 years old. So please note to every listener out there, it's never too late. Start surfing, go surf, get on the water. I I was pushed into my first wave here in Southern California at 41 because I was living here at that time or still living here, but it ended up converting me to a surfing obsession, dare I say, use that word, addiction maybe. I, I felt this instant connection to the ocean, that adrenaline rush that you get when you're flying down the surface of the wave and you might have been starting to experience those as you are stand-up paddleboarding because you can experience moving, of course, with the water, but you get all those feel-good emotions, you know, you, you, you experience in nature. So surfing shaped me profoundly at, starting at 41 years old. My lifestyle, where I shop, my career path, where I volunteer, the movies I watch, the podcasts I listen to, the books I read, I care so deeply about the ocean because of my daily exposure and I've reduced my plastic consumption immensely. I even feel guilty when I buy something that has plastic on it now. I've gone from being a pescatarian for over 10 years to not eating fish at all. I pick up trash every single day on the beach. I'll paddle a hundred yards out to get a balloon and stuff it into my wetsuit. I fly less, I drive less, and if I have to fly, I donate to organizations that plant trees, like sea trees. It's, it's just, I'm so cognizant and aware of my footprint. I schedule my days around the tides, the waves, and the wind. I have literally centered my life around it, personally and professionally. And I can say everything has changed since I started surfing. That's, so <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot, but it's also so interesting to hear when you said that you you center your day around the tides and the and the wind. It, it sounds like you've become really attuned with nature since getting into surfing. And who knew? I I never in my wildest imagination I couldn't have thought I would be checking wind conditions. I would be checking the tide. You know the tide fluctuations. I would be watching swell directions. I would be watching the weather, (laughs) all of these, you know, ancillary things that come out of being addicted or obsessed with surfing and, and wanting to try to get out there in that magic moment where the wind has calmed down just a little bit. And the tide is here where I surf. You want to surf in mid tide and, you know, not too low, not too high. It swamps it out if it's too high it's closed out if it's too low. All of these things I never would have thought, I had never thought about before, of course, before surfing. I also, frankly, I hate to admit this, but I had also never considered the wellness of our oceans and the sea until I started surfing. My exposure to the ocean on a daily basis has changed, again, how, where I donate money and where I advocate and what I talk about even, because if we are not taking care of great mother ocean we can't be well in a succeed it's helped you with your own mental wellness yeah i i love this question is personal because of so many 
different reasons. I'd start it with, I come from a generation who didn't discuss their mental health. And it certainly wasn't a part of the curriculum in high school. And an additional barrier for me is my culture. Pacific Islanders or Asians, we rarely talk about our feelings. And that was not something that was nurtured when I was growing up. It wasn't, oh, how do you feel? (laughs) What are you going through today? It was really wonderful to see Naomi Osaka, a professional tennis player, of course, speak up about prioritizing her mental health and her being on the cover of Time Magazine with the quote, it's okay to not be okay. That representation from the Asian culture is so important in the discussions around mental health, especially here in the U.S., where Asian hate crimes rose nearly 1,200% since March of 2020 because of COVID and misinformation. Of course. So, you know, surfing just made me more mindful of my mental health. Sitting on that surfboard, immersed in the belly of the ocean, it feels like a really big hug when you need it most. Even, even in the chaos that can be the sea, like the strong currents and the rogue sets and the riptides, which you will continue to experience as you are paddling around on your surfboard. You know, even new surfers who haven't quite figured out how to keep their surfboard <laughs> or hold on to their surfboard. But for me, it doesn't really matter because whatever's happening around me, surfing allows me to be still and be present and in harmony with my thoughts and my actions. I'm just so connected to my body and my mind in ways that I had never experienced before surfing. So how my dad plays a role is, you know, I had started surfing mere months after he was diagnosed with cancer. And after he passed away in 2016, I wondered if I would get out of bed. You know, that that thought goes through your head. My father raised me, my sister and my brother, and he was such a, you know, a hero in my, in my life. And it's, it's interesting because where I had those thoughts, I was up in Washington where he, he lived at the time. The day I got back to California, I was immediately pulled to the ocean. You know, there wasn't even a moment of hesitation. She drew me in and I always refer to mother ocean as she, she drew me in and I knew I would find healing and refuge in her arms. You know, I surfed almost with a vengeance, mainly to mix my, you know, saltwater tears with the ocean saltwater tears. It made sense that I would find comfort after losing the most important human being in my life. So I surf about 350 days a year to aid in my mental and physical health, to connect honestly with myself, everyone and everything. The ocean is so humbling, right? Every day is a different day. You are challenged by the different currents and the rips and of course the swell direction. And because I loved that challenge and that adrenaline rush that happens organically in the ocean, I seek that in other areas of my life. You know, I want to constantly be listening and learning and, and a willingness to evolve and change my thoughts and opinions based on new information. And that happens out in the ocean. Because while you're out there, new information is coming at you all the time. I have been out there on what, what we would call maybe a three to four foot day that suddenly the sky changed, the clouds rolled in, the thunderstorm started coming. And in that same moment, the waves jumped to you know 
seven or eight or nine feet. That is extreme conditions that you need to adjust accordingly <laughs> and quickly. And um, so there's so many life lessons that you know surfing has, has given me. But I have to say, as deeply personal as my experience is with surfing and, and that connection to my father, I still have never felt more joy in it until I started to share it through surf therapy. So much in there. And, and one of my big takeaways from that is the kind of the certainty of the ocean. You call her mother ocean and she, um, and quite often we do refer to the ocean as she, the certainty of her being there and, and being able to go and be in the ocean. But also that uncertainty, it's very much like life, isn't it? You, you literally have to respond and be in the moment. And there is a power to the ocean that nobody can control. And in our day-to-day -day lives, we control so much. There is something about getting in a body of water and partly surrendering to that experience and knowing that you can't control the water, but you can respond and you can be aware and you can be completely in your body and at one with the water, I guess. And that's a phenomenal experience. Yeah, I think we also can take that back to land mm -hmm. because what we, what we know is as much as we want to be in control of things, we're not necessarily, are we? Not in how people respond to us not in how others think or act towards us. We are not responsible, certainly, for things like a global health crisis. But again, to your point, how we respond to it, of course, is our character. And it shows, I always say this when I'm out in the ocean and I see new surfers out there, meaning I surf again a lot and i have been surfing here i started 10 years ago so i know a lot of people in the lineup and when i see new surfers i always note that you can see their personality on land transcribed to the lineup because if they're aggressive and they're paddling around you and they're trying to catch every wave and they're just you know it, there's just sort of this kind of negative energy you know that there's potentially some of that on land for them. And, you know, some people are just so friendly and they smile and they cheer you into waves and thus cheer you into life, which that's what it feels like for me, catching waves. And so you know that back on land, they're these people that you want to know because if that's how they're acting in the water, most likely that is how they are on land. Yeah, there's so many elements that cross over. I mean, we're not separate from nature, even being in the ocean, being on the beach, being in our homes, being connected to people. We are one with nature. But I have to say, you know, during a world pandemic, nature is having a moment. <laughs> people are getting to nature in what they deem to be nature. So yeah. it really is. <laughs> so for people listening who might not know what surf therapy is, can you talk generally about what surf therapy is? Yes, my instinct is always to suggest go volunteer because what happens at surf therapy sessions is so much more than I can say in words, but I'll try. We published the definition of surf therapy last year. It's a method of intervention that combines surf instruction and group activities to promote psychological, physical, and psychosocial well-being. That said, surf therapy is different from simply surfing alone. So what most surf therapy programs look like, they are typically run 
or written programs by licensed clinicians. We, I, I would say we, because I have run programs before and I have also volunteered at programs before, but we gather participants, we call them athletes or the VIPs for the day. We gather staff and volunteers and of course the equipment and surf instructors together on the beach and we typically have a meet and greet. We have participants put wetsuits on, sunscreen. There's a talking circle or sharing circle. I, I used to call it a kumbaya circle. It's usually with a theme in mind to get our participants in a good headspace, either about themselves or about being in the ocean, because for many, it's their first time. So there's a surf lesson on land, and we pair up participants and instructors and enter the water together. And all that, we are surrounded by the beauty of nature, of being outdoors. You know, we are organically creating these safe spaces for everybody, including volunteers. And then programs deliver surf therapy to the most underserved populations in the world, like veterans in the Netherlands, firefighters in South Korea, individuals from post-conflict in Liberia, sex trafficking survivors in California, first responders in Cornwall, Chernobyl survivors in Ireland, and men recently released from prison in New Zealand. Some of the most vulnerable youth from some of the most violent townships in South Africa. There's a program in Australia that reached out to shark attack victims and survivors. People who use wheelchairs, the BIPOC community, the LGBT plus community, children who have autism and Down syndrome. There's so many populations that are being reached really on six continents. I mean, I had no idea surfing was happening on the Baltic Sea or in Russia, but it is just wonderful to hear. But, you know, I, our participants, I think they, they come to find a respite from the things that might prevent them from being able to do that otherwise in home, in school, in work. So I think what's so beautiful, what connects surf therapy programs and, and the common bond is we are creating these genuine connections between individuals. We remove the artificial relationships established between doctors and their patients. We replace the four walls and a roof or sand beneath our toes and wind in our hair and salt water in the air. And at surf therapy, everybody is talking to one another. Unlike your traditional doctor's office or dentist's office, I've never seen a group of strangers in those settings striking up conversations. Um, they're certainly not talking about the dolphins jumping in the air and the whales going by or the birds singing above our heads. Um, it's interesting, you know, we're able to move past traditional talk therapy because everybody is familiar with one another and friendly. And I have a licensed therapist who equates one surf therapy session to six months of psychotherapy. Like he says, because he is a licensed therapist who that is his first and foremost job, but he also conducts surf therapy on the beach. And he says the changes are instant, you know? So we create communities of individuals that grow together from shared experiences. It's just so special. And last but not least, I just, I really want to give credit to where credit's due to our oceans, our lakes, our rivers, and even wave pools, which all have been used for surf therapy because water embraces us equally. You know, it doesn't care what you look like or where you come from or what you have. With every paddle you take, the water is there to greet you. So that's really 
it's really the water is the magic. We just build this very intentional, you know, gathering of people and keep them safe in this magical space that is water. You speak so beautifully about the surf therapy and water and what you do. I'm literally beaming. <laughs> about what I love. <laughs> And I want to go out and do it with you. I'd love to see, yes. (laughs) I would love to hear a little bit about the impact. I can imagine that there is a a kind of equalizing when people get into the water and perhaps if it's their first time, a vulnerability, but also that feeling of achievement and perhaps moving through something that felt quite alien to them to something that's joyful. Is that the case or is it it more nuanced than that? You described that very well. I there's not much to add, you know, we certainly what we are seeing and the, and the evidence is growing, you know, as more people are experiencing surf therapy and more discussions around that, of course, the evidence, the research has, has grown exponentially, but it, it certainly has alleviated PTSD symptoms. We have seen through research that children youth feel more hope for the future. You know, there's, there's, we're promoting self-efficacy and confidence out there because exactly what you just said, there's this sense of, can I do this? This is really scary. And then after they catch 10 waves <laughs> or even 15 waves, one of my girls, she is just a, an incredible human being and she is blind, but the first time she went surfing, she caught 20 waves and it's hard, it was hard to get her out of the ocean. It's one of those things where the parents are on the beach crying and you, of course you have the participants who are experiencing flow state, we call that flow state, right? That sense of nothing else exists in the world. Some people refer to it as being in the zone, but there's just so many elements that are happening out there. and. Whether it's building confidence or, you know, what happens in, we know that what happens in nature is that dopamine rush, right? The adrenaline rush. Um, We know that being physically active in nature reduces blood pressure and heart rates and stress reduction. And it improves moods instant, almost instantaneously. So yeah, it's, there's obviously physical responses, psychological responses. So there's, there's a, a lot happening out there. And I'm, I'm just so proud to be in this field, this sector that is growing in, at the pace at which it is growing. It's really exciting and special to be on earth in this time, to see an alternative methodology to mental health support take off in the manner at which it has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I am not, yet a published researcher. I'm just going to say that yet. I'll put that out to the universe. But, you know, after 10 years of volunteering and, and leading surf therapy programs and now spearheading ISTO's global mission, I can, I can certainly talk about ISTO's support in recognition of surf therapy, which is one of the things, you know, we accomplished was facilitating the first ever academic journal dedicated to surf therapy. And through that one journal, we now have doubled published research in surf therapy. That's really, really special, right? Surf therapy as an alternative intervention has grown exponentially. And we know that even through ISTO, there were eight organizations that we started with and now we're engaged with 90 programs. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. 
Not, yes, and I know that there are dozens and dozens and dozens more, but really without enough randomized controlled trials, of course, what, the gold standard in proving efficacy, what we're confident in saying is that regardless of what ails you, after a day of surf therapy, you feel better. And that used in combination with standard inter interventions promotes positive mental health and well-being. So again, as the research continues to grow across numerous populations that support the benefits of surf therapy, psychological functioning, psychosocial health, and physical strength, um, ISTO is becoming this data gather. We're in this sort of data gathering mode to support universal evidence practices. But I think as a sector, we're building a very solid case for more time in the ocean or more time in water, I should say. I should, I should be clear about that because again, rivers and lakes and man-made wave pools are being used for surf therapy. So sounds yeah. like you are building an incredible amount of information about how this works around the world. Tell us more about the conference and then the paddle out. We have annual conferences every year and this year, and again, the time of COVID, it will always be known. I think 2020 certainly will always be known as the time of COVID. And, and now we're all hung over from the time of COVID in 2021. So we're still feeling, of course, the effects of the variants and what have you. But we really are the recipients of Joe Taylor's generosity and imagination. Joe is the founder of the Wave Project and also one of the co-founders of ISTO. You know, these annual conferences, we, very intentional, we bring the sector together in meaningful ways. Our discussion topics are relevant, relevant for those who are just getting started and for those who've been doing this for decades. We're really trying to, and purposefully, of course, bringing together change makers in surf therapy, scientists, researchers, surf therapy practitioners, of course, clinicians, even policymakers and beneficiaries. Um, the year, this year, our discussion is around building trust. And I, I really love that topic because there's so many moving parts to building trust around surf therapy programs. The unpredictable C, which we talked about earlier, the people, most people don't know one another beforehand. The surfboards here in where I live, there are stingrays that you have to be careful of, you know, I mean, although the marine life is really the most exceptional part about being in the ocean but you know i and as far as this conference goes gosh i i just had a chance to take a look at the schedule and i'm i'm really excited to dive into the deep end with speakers like dr carrie allison who is a distinguished clinical psychologist and there's um professor sir he goes by sir uh baron cohen that's right simon baron cohen he is a professor at the University of Cambridge's Autism Research Center. Again, another population that we work very closely with across the globe. I'm, I'm actually personally eager to hear from Hugo, who is the CEO of the charity Surfers Against Sewage, because our messages align. Again, we can't discuss the ocean's healing powers without addressing the need to protect it. Um, there's another panel, there's several panels on building trust. Um, in different communities, including transgender communities, which I think will be really interesting. And then panels on research and evaluation and so much more. So we're wrapping up the entire event with a worldwide paddle out to recognize World Mental Health Day on October 10th, as you mentioned. And we're really hoping to get representatives and ambassadors from Hawaii all the way to New Zealand to join us 
and obviously respectively of their time zones. Um, paddle out, bring as many people down to the water as you want, as you can, again, in a time of COVID, gather, paddle out, form a circle in the ocean to bring awareness to mental health. I think mental health has been in the dark long enough. And I think it's about time, you know, we open it up and talk about it in a way that we talk about nearly anything else in our lives without feeling ashamed or embarrassed of it. So it's open to anyone. I'm very excited about that because we it is in person. I have never been to Cornwall. I am <gasps> so excited You're in to for a spend treat. a week in Cornwall. I know I can't believe it, but this is also being offered virtually and you can get tickets for three days, two days, or one days, depending on your schedule. It's available. The tickets, you can get them on the Wave Projects uh, website and also the International Surf Therapy Organization's website. So yeah, please join us. I mean, it bringing together like-minded people to discuss things that matter, not just to them, but how they can better their practices. There's a little bit of magic that happens in that room, you know, and, and of course, ending a conference in the ocean. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Of course, we'd go to the ocean. We are so lucky. Obviously, the Wave Project has made massive waves in the surf therapy sector. You know, they're they're the first surf therapy program funded by a government health service, and that's important because ISTO's ten-year vision is that surf therapy is universally accessible through prescription. So, to be a witness to the Wave Project's breaking ground, it's it's just incredible, and how much they've grown. You know, I think they have seven different programs throughout the UK and Europe. Over 5,000 young individuals have benefited from the WAVE project. So they have made huge waves. And, and Joe Taylor was a, a guest speaker at our 2019 conference here in Southern California. And it was right after that conference. He said, we want to host this. We want to host this next year. And of course, when he said next year, he was referring to 2020. And we, like everybody else, pivoted and went virtual for 2020. In 2021, we will we are intending to be in person in October, as many people as possible, and of course, offering access to it virtually. So if someone wants to find out more, what should they do? Where should they go? I mean, I always go back to volunteering, <laughs> right? Like, you got to volunteer and be a part of that world. You know, we have become this information hub of sorts for surf therapy. It is a place for sharing in the community. And because of that, we have resources such as a, the bibliography, which includes all published surf therapy research that has ever been done for all of our students out there who are thinking about a thesis or dissertation in surf therapy. As little as you know, 12 months ago, well, as little as 18 months ago, there was not one base and place that you could find all the published work in surf therapy, which I think is great. But also we have, you know, we list all of the organizations that we're working with on six different continents, which is pretty cool. The website is a valuable resource, uh, of course, but ISTO has a YouTube channel. We record our webinars. We record our monthly working groups. So if you're interested in working with a particular population, uh, um, individuals with mental and physical disabilities or 
vulnerable individuals, veterans or first responders. We have different categories in these working groups on the YouTube channel. And a lot of our webinars are so informative, very intentional. We bring in clinicians. We bring in people who have been doing this for a very long time. I think that's what's so special too about this sector is everybody has a willingness to share. You know, there's not this, oh, it's mine and I want to hold on to it. And I don't, I, nobody can you know, I don't want anybody to see it or get it. And I'm thinking if you have something that can help heal people in a unique way, isn't it your responsibility to want to share it with the world and, and, and share it freely and wildly? It sounds like your website is the go-to place. So I wondered if you could give me just the details of your website for anybody listening. Again, it will be in the show notes, but if you let us know where people can reach you and any social media handles as well. Sure. Internationalsurftherapy.org. We shortened international to I-N-T-L. So it's I-N-T-L-surftherapy.org for International Surf Therapy Organization. And our YouTube channel is the International Surf Therapy Organization. The links to the Global Journal, which I think that was really special, is making that Global Journal accessible People do not have to pay for access to that global journal. That link is also on our website. Instagram is International Surf Therapy Org, one word. And again, international is shortened to INTL. So yeah, please reach out. Come surf with us. I think oh. more than anything else, please come surf with us. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to be there right now. <laughs> Chris, thank you. It's been so joyful talking to you and the passion you have for surf therapy and surf just comes off you in spades. So <laughs> yes, I am a little happy, hyper and excited, but gosh, man, when you find something you love and you get to center your life around it personally and professionally, there's, I don't know that there's any greater joy, right? So there's like a deep centered, rooted in purpose and out blossoms this joy. So yeah, thank you again, Lucy. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing and continuing to spread the good news that is out there, the alternative methodologies, what to do when you are trying to work through things to know that you're not alone, your magazine, your podcast, like it's, I feel more connected because of what you're doing in the world. So thank you for that. That's really lovely. And thank you. And I, I have sore cheeks from smiling at you <laughs> while we've been talking about being out on the water and I desperately want to go out now. Have a wonderful conference and I'll hope to see you there online. Thank you again, Lucy. Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have, How It Helps. Don't forget to download the free Helpful app and we'd really love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to our podcast too. Before you go, I wanted to let you know that on the Helpful app, we have information about where you can find mental health support, including counselling directory. If you need immediate help, Samaritans are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116-123 or you can email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available this podcast is hosted and produced by me, Lucy Donoghue for Happiful. I hope you'll listen again soon.